Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Matt Preet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC Vegas 45, headlined by a heavyweight scrap between Chris Dawkins and Derek Lewis. And this is the last UFC card of the year, so uh, the UFC is really letting us go with a banger here, not to mention a nice co-main event slot between uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Bilal Muhammad in a welterweight scrap, and a couple other fun fights sprinkled throughout the card. Can't wait to get into the card 14 fights slightly early start time as well 4 p.m eastern tomorrow for the prelims 7 p.m eastern for the main card so don't get caught napping when the fights are going down uh i couldn't be happier with the guests i was able to wrangle up for uh for the show today to help us end off the year with a bang uh always love talking to this guy owner of mma odds breaker uh risk manager over there at circus sports one of the best sports books in the goddamn world and obviously you guys know him from ufc on the line from uh ufc fight pass my guy nick Kalikas. nick how's it going brother doing well my man uh, glad to be here thanks for having me on absolutely i know we did this back in july with the slightly different panels me you james and uh, our guy yanni uh but since then i've kind of made some changes as you can tell i wanted to make this a little bit uh more efficient of a show rather than going two and a half hours of everybody repeating the same goddamn thing so i'm <laughs> glad to have you have you in here because i know that your time is very uh very rare in terms of being able to split it off to other people i've already gotten an ear from for you know, earful from your kids uh when we're <laughs> hanging out at uh at circus sports when i came down in august i really got to thank nick though before we get into the breakdowns here nick has been one of the best guys in the industry for me bar none uh advice giving me his time the first time we even talked we were on the phone for like four hours dude just talking <laughs> about everything uh in the mma betting space and then obviously when i came out to vegas in august we spent an evening together you know, drinking some Howler heads and some Modellos. And then obviously the day after you were able to give me a little uh, sneak peek to the behind the scenes of the, the Circus Sportsbook uh, world there. Uh, in terms of Circa, I believe it's what, two years now that you guys have been in operations? Close to two years? Yeah. How's it been going? Years. It's it's great. I mean, honestly, I don't think anybody could expect the level of growth that we've had already. It's probably above and beyond what, you know, everybody kind of sought out for. But of course, that was eventually going to happen. I mean, we knew with the philosophy that Matt Metcalf, our sports book director has, um, and everything that he's put into place, everything is working out quite well. So love being at Circa. It's a great place, great environment, great co-workers, uh, fun to do for sure. Absolutely the best reputation in terms of sports books, in terms of not, you know, banning winners or limiting winners or anything like that. Uh, I always see those stories of, you know, the DraftKings and the FanDuels uh, kind of uh, uh, limiting players or banning them. And then you get the Circus Sportsbook uh, media accounts always saying, we don't ban people. But you guys are more than welcome to give us your business. Well, what do you kind of just give me your brief thoughts in terms of, you know, other bookies and, you know, the more famous bookies kind of banning and limiting players? What, what's your thoughts behind that? I mean, it, it all depends. There's a lot of great books out there, right? I mean, so, you know, you have to pick your spots, obviously. But yeah, that is definitely a real thing. Um, but as we're impacting the industry a little bit, we are seeing some of these other, you know, some of the bigger books out there, like you said, some of these chain books, um, starting to take a little bit, you know, bigger wagers, trying to kind of implement the game plan that we have at Circa as well. So hopefully that's impacted, you know, the whole market worldwide in a positive way. So I think that will change a little bit. And I think, you know, more books will stop limiting players as often. And uh, hopefully, you know, one day everybody's going to just be able to bet, you know, with public, sharp, whatever the case may be. And action is action, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're in the Las Vegas area, 
do yourself a service and go check out uh, Circa. Not only just for wagering bets, but they have the best damn sports book in Las Vegas as well. I'll say this. I was staying at another hotel and I tried placing a wager for PFR and they're like, if you want to play any type of sports, go to Circa. Why are you betting with us? Go bet with Circa. So that's exactly what that? I did the next day. Right. So uh, that's the type of reputation that those guys have over there. And not to mention the stadium swim that they have. If you guys like, you know, making some bets in your swim trunks and all that type of stuff, there you guys go. They got a great <laughs> setup for you guys as well. Yep. So, um, all right. We are here to break down UFC Vegas. Vegas 45. The wins wrapped up just about two and a half hours ago. Had a handful of weight misses, so we'll dive into that a little bit more too once we get through the card. But let's start off right at the bottom of the card. And thankfully, uh, for the first time for the show, I'm actually going to be uh, referring to the Circus Sports odds for this card. So Nick Likas, uh, your, your work here is going to be tested. Nice. We got uh, uh, kicking off the show, we got Jordan Levitt coming in at minus 125. Matt Sales at plus 105. I'll quickly give my thoughts on this and I hand it on over to you. Pretty binary fight to break down. You know, Jordan Levitt needs to get this fight to the ground to have success. Matt Sales needs to keep this fight on the on the feet to have success as well. Uh, KO for Sales, sub for Levitt. That's kind of what I'm feeling. The spot that I like the most is actually the under two and a half, which on Circa is actually up to minus 150 now. So you guys have definitely been taking some action over there. Uh, I'm actually, actually expecting a Sales KO. Uh, I do think he has enough power in his hands. Leave it you know, I'm saying this with as much respect as possible. The guy's trash in the striking game. And uh, I think that sales will be able to exploit that. However, uh, just as bad as uh, Levitt is on the striking realm, sales is not that good off of his back. So if he finds himself on the mat here, he could find himself into some trouble. So the original thought for me was to fade Jordan Levitt. Then I saw sales's tape. I'm like, let me just, you know, fade them both and hope for some violence <laughs> and some under here. So I'm actually going with the under, but my official pick is going to be sales. How do you see this one going down, Nick? Yeah, I, mean, I think you kind of mapped it out pretty well. Uh, I think Sales is kind of one of those guys right now that's kind of floating under the radar, sort of speak, because he hasn't been in action for over a couple of years, right? Um, and, of course, the last fight that he had, a lot of people fresh in their minds is that submission loss to Thug Nasty, right? So yeah. and he's fighting another great submission guy. So that's why I think the market over kind of shot it, and um, I believe Levette came out as a pretty big favorite. The action came in on Sales. Um, I actually opened Sales a slight favorite, minus 115, when the market was kind of the other way. Now we've attracted action on Levette, which I'm fine with because I do think this is a scenario, honestly, where sales is, is definitely the better fighter across the board. I get the ground game is going to be his kryptonite, so to speak, in this spot. But I think, again, he's uh, Levette is a good ground, capable ground fighter, but he's no thug nasty in that regard. Yeah. So I think sales is going to be able to kind of sprawl, brawl, keep this fight upright. It's going to get interesting at times for sure. But like you said, the discrepancy on the feet is huge. So I think sales is one of those guys that has the power, has the ability on the feet to kind of make Levette look really bad. So I think that's the way it's going to go. And I am a believer in sales. I think he bounces back here. He's an intriguing guy. I know he's been bouncing between 145 and 155. This is 155 now, of course. Um, you know, we've talked about some weight issues he's had in the past, right? I think that's kind of coming to play, but he seemed to make weight. I think he's going to be ready to kind of bounce back and get on track here against Levette. I like it. Glad we're on the same train of thought there. So let's just keep things moving along. We've got a heavyweight scrap next up between Josh Parisian coming in at plus 170. Dante Mays at minus 195. Uh, I'm intrigued to actually see. Well, yeah, you guys moved the total to two and a half now. Uh, the over two and a half is sitting at plus 105. It seems like the secret is out on Josh Parisian fights, right? The guy likes to get extended a little bit. Dante Mays will more than likely comply with that. I'll actually hand it on over to you to give us your, your analysis for this fight. Which side are you leaning? And what do you think about the total at the end of the day? I got to go with Mays here a little bit. I think he should be the rightful favorite, but it's a tough one. I'm staying away from it as far as the betting window goes. I, I think that there's a lot to like about the dog here as well. I mean, he's tough. He's, he's probably a little bit better than we all kind of 
anticipated at this point of his career. But again, I think Mays is definitely the more capable fighter. And I think there's bigger upside to him too. He's going to have a little bit of reach. Um, and I think he is the better striker here, but you got to be careful with this level of heavyweight fighters. Cause these guys aren't the top tier, you know, level of heavyweights at the UFC. So anything around this point, I mean, they tend to be closer matchups or surprising matchups as, as they kind of play out a little bit. So it's very hard and difficult to lay the chalk here. I think there is a chance that it does kind of trickle over, of course, or maybe even hit the scorecards. I know in heavyweight fights, that's kind of a head scratcher, but they seem to, after that first round, kind of slow down the pace a little bit, kind of respect each other. And I think it probably will play out more towards the over than not. That's why, you know, the market has adjusted towards the two and a half a little bit on the over. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. And I agree in the fact that it's hard to trust somebody at minus 200 at this level, right? Like it could play out very close. It could come down to one significant strike at the end of the day, especially if this comes down to a judge's decision. I agree that uh, May should be the favorite. I'd be more intrigued to jump into that at minus 130, minus 140 rather than minus 200 because he is the rightful favorite. But again, uh, th this could play out much closer than people are expecting it to, especially given what the odds are telling us that 100%. how it's supposed to play out, right? So uh, I'm with the overs. I'm with the fight goes to decision i think we even see a plus 120 plus 125 on the fight to go decision i'd rather lay that than right there uh take some chalk on the way side here all right let's move on to the next fight speaking of fighters that have missed weight Misa Kiasong comes in and misses weight by one pound here. Uh, she's going up against Raquel Pennington, who comes on at minus 185. Uh, Kiasong at plus 160. Uh, I feel like this is going to be one of those clean, chi grindy fights. And it seemed like Kiasong had a little bit of issues in terms of trying to make weight. Uh, and it could cost her in, in the cage here. Obviously, she's the bigger, more physical woman. And, and that's usually how she wins her fights. She's able to kind of just bully her opponents. And I feel like as she starts to take levels uh, or steps up in competition, it's going to get harder for her to do that we saw her you know hit a roadblock with uh lena landsberg a couple fights ago uh even marie renault had some success before she broke her nose in that second round uh now she's going up against a veteran in rocky pennington who uh, for some reason to me i thought she was 37 38 years old she's only 33 it feels like she's been in the ufc forever so uh she's accrued a ton of experience obviously a championship fight under her belt as well uh i, I think she might drop the first round here just due to the physicality of kiasong but as this fight starts to play on i think we'll see rocky you start to pull away with it so a potential live betting opportunity i see for people uh after round one on the pennington side where you could possibly getting out get her at plus money but i do think that this comes down to a war of attrition and i'm actually going to be on the pennington side and i do have a small play on her here especially with the amount uh, the market has moved uh on the kiasson side i gotta take advantage of that line movement here and take some raquel pennington so i got pennington pennington by decision what are your thoughts here I agree with you. I mean, credit to Kaysan for coming in here, taking this fight on short notice. I mean, again, it's up a weight class at 145 pounds and she still missed weight a little bit, but again, it's kind of, you got to factor everything in to the equation, but she's going to be game. She's going to be ready to fight. I, I agree with you. I think round one is going to be difficult, but as the fight progresses, I think it is Pennington's fight to win or lose. I think she's more durable. She's been in there with better competition and Kaysan yeah. is not going to be able to kind of bully Pennington as much, especially as the fight goes, as she's kind of used to bullying her opponents, like you said there. So it is intriguing because the size and the ability and the technical skill that Kaysan has is tough, man. I, I think that it's hard to match up with for a lot of these ladies. But again, if anybody could do it, it's a girl like Pennington. So I agree with you. I think it's a favorite or pass situation, but the money is coming in on the dog. And again, Chason is, is one of these girls that I think a lot of people are expecting good things from her and, and possibly an eventual title contender, right? But she just hasn't lived up to it quite yet. If she gets a win over Pennington, though, she's well on her way. Despite the weight mess, I think people are going to really respect her and, and kind of credit her for a huge win if she's able to get it, though. But I don't think it happens. I think it's Pennington's fight to win or lose. Yeah, I remember... Uh 
uh, the days where she was like minus 300 event after event. Everybody would love to bet the kiosk on sub, but I feel like people are starting to pump the brakes. And uh, I think we'll see why this weekend. Uh, quick question. Speaking of women's MMA, uh, I am curious to hear uh, how you guys did last weekend uh, from a bookie's perspective, considering that big Pena win. Uh, how did that help you guys out? And uh, what did it end off the night with you guys? Like, I mean, that everybody, <laughs> that was, I'm glad you brought it up because it is a tricky for sure. I mean, everybody had Noonan as a parlay, Noonan in a parlay, right? Of course, with football, with whatever the case may be, basketball plays. I mean, she was kind of everybody's lock. There's no way. I mean, you saw the Twitter comments, right? There's no way she loses to Pena or whatnot. It was surprising. I'm not going to say that I wasn't shocked by the way everything went down. But that being said, it was definitely a good result for the house. I mean, there's no question. We need a fight like that where everybody's kind of anticipating easy win for the favorite to bust up some parlays. And that's exactly what happened. So overall, it was a fantastic result. And then factor in the Oliveira upset over Poirier, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, that was fantastic. So the last two fights really came in pretty big for a lot of the sports books out there. And we were able to win. But there's a few spots before that, like the Munez fight over uh, Anders. You saw where that line closed, right? So we yep. got destroyed on that one. A lot of sharp action hit Munez. They thought he would be able to take the fight to the floor and submit Anders, and he did so easily. So that was easy money for a lot of the people that took that. So we took a, a significant loss on that fight, but the rest of the card actually played out pretty well for us. So we were able to kind of swallow that loss, and we ended up having one of the best nights of the year for it for the house. God, damn. Uh, I, I was so close to messaging you right after that, that Nunez uh, fight finish but i'm like this guy's probably neck deep in work right now so i'm not gonna bug him but i know i'll probably have him on the show this weekend uh upcoming week and i want to ask you then so i'm glad that i got it out of the way there i'm like these guys are probably just chilling in that back room just losing it right now <laughs> it was exciting and, and yeah the guys that have been uh watching fights back there uh with us we do get motivated and pumped especially a card like that i mean honestly the ufc was kind of the the main event for us all on, on saturday night right there for everybody was into it again i, I gotta credit my co-workers uh because you know they get into it as well we, we have fun we watch the fights we're sweating out the decisions like everybody else see a lot of people think the house automatically is going to win every event that's not the case man we get lopsided on some of these fights like you wouldn't believe so there's a lot of sweats there and when it works out of course everybody's happy and you know and again there, but there is times where the players get us for sure there's no question about it um it's one of those things that you know the the good sharp players can win the sports books can win so it could be a win-win at times and i'm sure out there there's a lot of people that did still profit despite the crazy event last weekend as far as the public goes top three for the for the house of 2021 or what uh prop top five yeah top five. so it was definitely okay. one of the better better ones of the year for sure um i wouldn't i don't know if it's top three but definitely top five so it tells you something we've had a lot of decent events uh throughout the year again we've takes we've took some lumps along the way but overall yeah. it's been a very successful year for sure at circa awesome awesome all right let's move on to the next fight here uh andre you are going up against charles jordan uh minus 200 on jordan and plus 175 on you will going up to 145 pounds now and testing his might up there i'll let you kick this one off nick how do you feel about the canadian and Andre Yule. Um, man, I, I like Jordan quite a bit. I, I think obviously he's got some flaws in his game. I mean, that takedown defense continues, needs to continue to improve a little bit. I think Yule's going to kind of test that a little bit too, right? But on the feet, this should get interesting. I think Yule's kind of a little bit underrated, right? He's got that length and he's got the ability to be active and have success on the feet. But I think that's where Jordan kind of does win this fight. I think he's a little bit more durable for sure. We've seen that in all of his fights and he's a fun guy to watch, no doubt. He's not a fish out of water on the ground, but I, I still think on the ground, if Yule can mix in some takedowns and, and maybe keep it competitive on the fight. That's his path to victory, but I am going to leave with Jordan. But again, at the price, I mean, let's see how you will look definitely at 145 pounds. And I think if he hits the scorecards, it probably will be fairly competitive. So it's kind of tough to lay the chalk here in this spot. I think. 
Yeah, I went the opposite way, man. I went with you. I took a shot at plus 168. I think he has an absolute path to victory here, being the more technical striker, right? His job is just absolutely clean, one, two down the middle, and the length that he's able to kind of maintain is very uh, impressive as well. Jordan, uh, I feel like he has a hype tax on his name just because he's so exciting to watch, right? The flying shit, the spinning shit, all of that stuff, right? Like, <laughs> he, he's always fun to watch, so people think he's always a shoe-in to win, but, like, we saw the Julian Rosa fight go down. We've seen plenty of fights in the past. The Joshua Kulibau fight as, as well, even though that went to a draw you know played out much closer than people expected it to and i feel like Iwo could definitely throw a wrench in that pl those plans uh once again here so i took a shot at plus 168 i also took a shot at uh a small stab on his decision prop at plus 350 because i feel like this could go the full 15 minutes and we could definitely get him uh you know get his hand raised here by just being a little bit slicker with his jabs landing more accurately uh and landing the better shots and hopefully busting up charles a little bit just so it looks better for the judges so yeah i'm on the Ewell side here taking the dog taking the value and hoping uh, that we are able to cash the ticket tomorrow night. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Sajara Eubanks, who missed weight this morning, unfortunately. Uh, she's going up against Melissa Gatto in terms of odds. Circa currently has it at minus 165 for Sajara and plus 145 for Gatto. Uh, I've been a big Eubanks believer. Even though she has a 7-6 and six record, she is by far the best 7-6 and six fighter in the world, bar none. World champion jiu-jitsu player. Uh, when she's able to get uh, her opponents down, she does some really good work from on top. And we really saw how good she is, especially in her last fight against Alyssa Reed, or, or Elise Reed. A lot of people, you know, I, I played the inside the distance there because I just saw the, the massive skill gap there, especially with the grappling. And people were calling me crazy. They're like, what are you talking about? Sorry, Eubanks finishing somebody? She's not finishing anybody. I'm like, guys, run the tape run the tape and then uh thankfully enough she was able to help me not look so stupid and she was able to get that first round finish over elise reed uh she was scheduled to fight luana carolina i believe her or her coaches tested positive uh, a couple months ago and they pulled out that was another spot where i felt like i was going to go pretty heavy on eubanks even at chalk because i thought that was a squash match there to be honest but this one here against melissa gato she had an impressive performance in her ufc debut against victoria leonardo which kind of ended anti-climatically uh even if that's a word, I, I apologize if I just made that up, but you guys know what I mean. Uh, decent striking, but that's more so based on her aggression, being able to move forward and just throw volume and throw heat. Uh, but it seems like she does her best work off of her back. Unfortunately, they're not going to pull anything off on Sajar Eubanks here that she hasn't seen before. I'd be very surprised if Gato actually catches her in, in, in anything here. Um, Eubanks has that issue in regards to cardio sometimes. That's something that people like to point to. However, uh, I, I think it's being a little bit overblown, especially with those cardio dumps being against much bigger women when she's fighting at 135 pounds. She has a 6-1 and one record at 125 pounds, one of those fights that she actually missed weight in, and three of those fights are from the uh, Ultimate Fighter as well. But she does her best work at 125 pounds, and I expect to see the same thing uh, tomorrow night against Gato. I think she lands takedowns. I think she grinds her out from on top. And as long as she doesn't have a cardio dump late in this fight, she should be able to cruise to a, to a decision victory here. So I've seen plus 150 on her decision prop. Don't mind that either. But even just taking her straight up here at uh, minus 165, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gato money continue to come in over the next 24 hours just because of the weight miss. So if you guys are banking on Eubanks here, I'd say just sit tight and just wait to get a better number. But even at this number, I think it's very playable for the Eubanks side. So I like Eubanks, Eubanks by decision. Nick, where are your thoughts for this matchup? 
I agree with you. I think the popular side, though, is going to be the dog. Like you said, Gato is yeah. going to be and, and we've seen the action come in at Circa already on the underdog. Oh, I wow. mean, she's intriguing for sure, because if you look at her pre-fight, you know, pre-UFC resume, she's got some decent couple of decent wins in there. Right. And then she made her debut in impressive fashion, like you said, as well. I think there was a lot of question marks about her overall game. Of course, we know she's really good on the ground, like you said, especially off her back. You got to be careful. Uh, but her striking continues to improve. And I think she's probably better than we all anticipated a little bit. So this might be a competitive fight, but like you said, Eubanks is kind of a tough out because I mean, Eubanks puts that pressure. She's going to come forward. She's very durable. She can get top position. She should be the better wrestler here. And again, with her BJJ background, it's probably going to be hard to submit her. So I think this is a very difficult test. Look, this is a great matchup. I think as far as the matchmakers go, because if Gato could come in here and pull off the upset win over Eubanks, that's going to open up a lot of eyes. Like you said, take the record from Eubanks and throw it out the window. She's better than a, a, almost a 500 fighter, right? She's fought great competition. There's no question about it. So I think if, again, Gato could come in here and pull off, especially if she pulls off a submission win or pulls off a finish, wow, it's going to open a lot of eyes and they're going to fast track her probably, um, you know, in the weight class and try to get, you know, 125, of course, Shevchenko being the champ, she's kind of cleaned out the majority of the division right now. So they're looking for fresh blood. And I think Gato is one of those fighters that could po possibly do that. But it's a big if because of, like you said, the stylistic matchup. I think Eubanks should be able to control this fight. She should be able to get the takedowns and probably stay safe along the way. So I'm hoping we're wrong, to be honest with you. I'm not so you lose your bet if you have money on it of course i don't have money on this personally but i would like to see a new contender kind of emerge yeah. if that makes sense right but again i think you are on the right track i would lay the chalk rather than the dog here in this spot so from a betting perspective i think you are right and i think you're going to cash i'm not uh, a big guy on like making weigh-ins kind of sway me one way or another uh but for some reason this is kind of just making me backpedal a little bit in terms of her missing weight uh but again she's missed weight in the past and still put on a great performance she could probably still do that here last thing i was about this matchup like i said she's six and one including her stint on the ultimate fighter at 125 pounds that one loss was her second ever professional mma fight against Catlin chukagian so yep. it's not like she's going up against schlubs on the on the regional market right. or on the regional scene all right let's move on to the next fight here uh we got harry hunsucker going up against justin taffa a heavyweight slugfest uh i guess we might as well just talk about the over under here the <laughs> over sitting at plus 155 the under at minus uh 180 uh, I'll hand this over to you, Nick. <laughs> talk, another, talk to me. It's it's another one of those heavyweight fights that you got to be careful on, right? Because again, they're they're not the top tier heavyweights yeah. for sure. They're kind of you know mid to lower tier heavyweights in this spot. And they both have liabilities. Like as far as defensive, you got to be concerned defensively with these guys, right? Uh, Tafa, I think everybody expected him to be a little bit more dominant in the striking aspect of things, but he's had some pretty close fights. Uh, but again, that usually is his path to victory. Stuff the takedowns, keep the fight upright, and then try to knock your opponent out or try to at least outpoint your opponent, right? I think that's his path to victory here. Hansucker, man, he's tough, though. And if he can get this fight to the ground, which is going to probably be a hard task, but he definitely has the advantage on the ground, right? I think we that's what he's kind of got to look to do. But I still think you have to favor Tafa, although we have taken a lot of sharp money on the underdog Hunsucker. So a lot of people believe that he is going to come in here and pull off the upset win. And if he pulls it off, it's probably going to be by finish if he does so, right? So we have had a lot of sharp opinion come in on the underdog. That's why if you look at our price, according to the market, at least, we are a little bit lower on the top end of things, right? We're seeing over 300s out there in some spots and we're sitting around minus 280 right now. Right. Again, until we see some resistance and we see some sharp buyback on top of, we're going to probably be a little bit more defensive on the dog at this point here. So Hunsucker, I mean, he's, he's not one of those guys that you you think is going to be an ultra exciting fighter or whatnot but again he probably has a skill set to make this an interesting fight no doubt about it 
11 professional fights for Harry Hunsucker. Not one has seen the second round. And I'm, exact, and I'm expecting the same thing tomorrow, actually. I ate some chalk here on the under one and a half round, minus 190. I just felt as though... I, I, I'd be surprised if this hits the second round, to be honest. We've seen Justin Toffa take some big shots and go down. We've also seen him eat a couple, but I feel like Harry Hunsucker is uh, kind of fast and explosive enough to eventually find that chin. And then on the reverse end, Justin Toffa, great countering ability. He should be able to find the target here on Hunsucker as well. I've seen the kind of narrative that, you know, maybe Toffa is trying to take a more patient approach ever since he got knocked out by Jorgen DeCastro. But when you got a hurricane like Harry Hunsucker in the cage with you, it's going to be very hard to play a disciplined and patient game and that's where i'm expecting this weekend so i took the under two and a half uh i'm actually looking for a market that actually have a fight doesn't start round two roughly around even money because i wouldn't mind taking a little bit there uh but i did take a little bit of a stab on harry hunsucker round one at plus 700 because i think that line's a little bit egregious considering that's pretty much his only yeah. win condition so rather than t take the plus two, 235 let's get a little bit greedier and take that plus 700 so that's why i took a little bit of a stab there um yeah in my opinion tough is not that good and shout out to our guy james cross i know that's his most confident pick on the card but i just don't think that uh, at minus 300 that he's at that that's a very difficult uh, spot to be very confident in. again technically the better striker but i have you wait that's throw that crap out because this is going to be a, a clusterfuck and a half. <laughs> That's the tough part, like you said. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and it got a lot of people are just waiting for Tafa to hit that groove on the feet, right? Yeah. And like you said, I mean, you got to definitely respect Hunsucker because he does have that power. And again, if this fight happens to hit the floor, he's going to have a yeah. big advantage there as well. So he's the more well-rounded mixed martial artist, but I still favor Tafa on the feet a little bit. I think if his chin holds up, he should be able to outstrike Hunsucker despite him being a little bit dangerous for sure on the feet. All right, all right. Let's keep this thing moving along. Next up, we got Victor Henry going up against Howney Barcelos. Minus 310 for Barcelos, plus 260 for Victor Henry. Victor Henry coming in on short notice here. Um, uh, a guy that's been around the block, too. It's not like this slouch that they picked up from the side of the road to, to step in and fight Barcelos. Uh, Henry has a ton of experience over there in Ridge, uh, Risen. I believe Pancrase as well. Uh, trained by the famed Mr. Josh Barnett. Uh, solid wrestling game, solid jiu-jitsu game, uh, decent uh, striking game, but I think he's going to be completely outmatched here by the much better Hani Barcelos. Uh, Barcelos had a bit of a speed bump last time around against Timur Valiev, uh, and I think it really came down to him just not pulling the trigger and that, that is difficult to do against a guy like Timur Valiev who moves as well as he does right he's never really a stationary target so it's really hard to set yourself up and get a combination going when he's just moving so much so I I understand that for Barcelos in terms of why he came up short in that first round but once he finally started to let his strikes go in that second round he was able to get that knockdown got a 10-8 on one scorecard first thing I thought it was a 10-9 just because of how much work Valiev was able to do earlier before getting knocked down and then the third round Valiev just runs away a little bit more with the L put which is why he got his hand raised there but i think that marcel's much better striker here than victor henry uh the output is the only worrisome part here if victor henry goes out there and tries to kickbox him for 15 minutes and try to win off of output it's possible if he just sticks and moves and just keeps throwing output it's possible uh but i do think that we'll see barcelos actually shoot for takedowns here as well because i think he's the much better wrestler he's i believe he was a part of the wrestling uh brazilian uh national wrestling team uh not to mention a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well I do think he's going to be a step ahead of Victor Henry on the ground here, pretty much uh, on the ground and in the striking. I'm seeing a uh, Honey Barcelos uh, decision. 
you know, I mean, Nick, I don't mind eating a little bit of chalk. I did throw Barcelos into a parlay or two as well because I do feel quite confident about him in this spot. What about yourself? Um, for me, I'm, first of all, let me say this. I'm glad that we are getting a guy like Victor Henry finally in the UFC, meaning yes. like you just explained it. He definitely deserves to be on the roster, man. This guy has been fighting against good competition. He's a well-rounded fighter. He's a tough out. I don't think this is going to be an easy out, especially as the fight progresses. I think it's going to be hard for Barcelos to get him out of there, even despite the fact that he's taking this fight on short notice. I just think he, he's been in there. He's durable. Again, that well-rounded skill set, it probably is going to play out a little bit closer than everybody thinks. But again, what you said, I think Barcelos is a little bit better across the board, though. He's better on the feet. He's better on the ground, should have better wrestling. So I think Henry will be a step behind along the way. But again, with the output possibilities in maybe round two, round three as we go, if he hits the scorecards, I think we could see a more competitive fight than people are anticipating. So this is not an easy fight for a guy like Barcelos. And again, I mean, they're just the fact in the hype around Barcelos and the ability and potential that he has. I mean, he could definitely fight for that belt one day for sure. And he, I mean, he's the type of guy with the skill set. He's got that finishing ability. And again, such just well-rounded, you know, tools that he has to work with. I mean, he's definitely legit shot at winning a title regardless, right? I mean, he, he's got that kind of ability to finish and, and compete at the highest level. Now, again, I would like to see him get tested more in maybe round fours and round fives. And maybe we see him headline a fight here eventually and, and get that main event spot. So we could see, you know, him kind of entrust a little bit, gain trust, I guess, is what I'm trying to say with him along the way as the fight progresses. But I do think it's his fight to win or lose. I just personally, I got to stay away from it. I think he's going to win this fight. But again, at the price tag with a hungry, savvy veteran on the other side, like Henry coming in here, probably trying to shake up the division. We've seen it time and time again. You know, these guys kind of, these savvy vets come in and overperform you know, more than everybody anticipated in a spot like this, and then start really putting on some decent performances um, in the octagon. So we'll see where Henry is. Again, tough fight for him. I'm going to lean towards Barcelos, but again, another spot where I kind of have to stay away from it. Yeah, uh, Barcelos cannot afford another hiccup here, as he is, I believe, 33 or 34 years old. So he's really got to get it going right now, string a couple wins together. And I, I absolutely agree with you, Nick. I do think he has championship potential if he can really string things together. Let the let the hands go, not get caught taking pictures, as my guy Eric Nixick says. Uh, and, and I think that we'll see him have some success and hopefully he gets his hand raised tomorrow. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We got Dustin Stoltz, who's uh, coming in at plus 200, minus 235, the return on Gerald Mearshart. Uh, Nick, I'll let you kick this one off, brother. How do you think? this middleweight scrap goes down wow i mean that's all i can say right now is uh, <laughs> about this situation only because i mean the mirror charts last win i did not see that coming at all i mean the ability to kind of outstrike murdoff as the fight progressed his striking his durability held in there i mean he came to win that fight so mirror chart opened a lot of eyes i mean again being a huge underdog there and he showed you what he's capable of right on the ground we all know mirror chart is a high level i mean offensively he's one of the toughest outs you could get on the ground for sure but it's that striking at times and that defense and again that chin he's had some letdown spots so I'm not 100% sold on him at times, right? But this fight should be a big step down for him, you would think, in, in Stolzfus, even though I think Stolzfus is one of these guys that probably flies under the radar a little bit and is better than most people are giving him credit for. So stylistically, this might be a good matchup because, again, he's a very capable ground fighter as well, and he has the ability to submit people. And we have seen Mearshart kind of get caught up in the submission game at times uh, defensively, right? So this is intriguing as far as the ground battle goes. But, again, Mearshart has that slick, awkward but effective submission game, you know, time and time again, we see it. So it's again, his fight to win or lose, I think for sure here. And if his striking continues to improve and his durability hangs in there, it's going to be a tough fight for Stolzfus for sure. But again, I think hopefully for me, I would like to see Stolzfus come in here and overperform everybody's, you know, expectations here in this spot as well. So I think Mearshart's going to probably win this fight and, you know, hey, impressive back-to-back -back wins probably for him, but 
I'm not quite sold. And I can't lay the chalk on um, on him right now either, to be honest with you. I love seeing the the odds maker you kind of shine through when you're saying you want to see Dustin Stoltz will kind of uh, yeah. overperform <laughs> here. Uh, and I think that is, this is a spot that he could do so. But man, it's just so hard to overlook his last fight against Rodolfo Vieira, where he just getting outstruck by a guy like Vieira for about a round, and then eventually getting submitted by a guy who apparently has horrible cardio issues. He's able to still pull off a, a victory in that third round. So that's a little eye opening as well. But again, the GM three side, he gets hurt in almost every single <laughs> fight. He's probably the one of the most hateable guys in the game but sometimes his durability hold, holds up and he's able to kind of march back and get the victory sometimes it doesn't hold up and he gets finished so uh very difficult to lay minus 235 on a guy like that uh what i would lay if i were betting this at all uh gm3 inside the distance run even money i think that's a little bit better of a play here because i think if he does have success he's going to be successful in terms of dragging this fight to the ground and getting his jiu-jitsu going and from that top position he is a big 185 or even on the scales today looked in tremendous shape probably one of the best i've seen him in a long time i think that's going to translate into the fight tomorrow night and i think we see him go out there and probably get a second or third round finish uh i was uh teasing the round three prop here but it's only plus 850 nick i like me you know i like those four digit plus numbers on these round three props if i'm taking any shots so plus 850 i'll pass on it but i do think it is live to hit here for our guy gm3 all right let's move on to the next one here uh we got darren elkins going up against cub swanson minus 180 on cub swanson plus 155 on darren elkins uh another binary fight to break down right cub swanson a magician on the feet compared to what we're going to be getting from darren elkins uh another guy kind of slow very hittable but his durability has had, uh, has allowed him to maintain this level of success inside the ufc we saw last time against Derek minner where he was uh you know taking damage in that first round and then eventually he got into that second round and was able to pull off uh, a finish of his own uh but here man i think he's going to be absolutely outgunned on the feet i think cub swanson touches him up and i do think that we see that chin eventually break uh probably in the first or second round in this spot uh elkins could you know if he does survive those first eight eight minutes or so nine minutes he could make it interesting in the in the third round but cub swanson isn't one of those guys that you know death gases similar to what Derek minner was uh doing last time around i think even if this gets into the third round he should be safe enough to withstand whatever elkins is putting on him and he should either win a decision based on winning the first two rounds but i don't think we're gonna have to worry about that i think he gets him out of there within seven minutes of this fight so i like the swanson side I don't mind the minus 180 either. I think that's a decent uh, price tag here. Uh, I like that smirk you got going on here. I'm interested to hear your thoughts <laughs> on this fight, brother. Uh, yep. Late on me. No, it's it's a great fight. I mean, this is kind of one of the outliers on this card as far as like, because we're seeing a lot of veterans, established veterans fighting against, you know, maybe the uh, the up and coming fighters, right? The, the guys that are supposed to be on the rise a little bit. And of course, this is a savvy vet, an established vet versus an established vet and, and Swanson versus Elkins. I agree with you. I think Swanson on the feet, is so far ahead of him. I mean, he's faster. He's definitely more effective. But Elkins is durable, man. I mean, if he could kind of survive it and keep on pushing forward, kind of clinch up, you try to get a takedown here or there. Uh, you know, he's got to land some punches, even though, again, it might not be the most technical, um, you know, technical at times to watch as far as Elkins on the feet. He's not sloppy, I'm saying. But, again, with that speed, and I think he lacks sting at times, but that heart and his drive does push him forward and makes him a difficult out. We've seen sharp action. I was smirking a little bit because we have seen a lot of sharp action come in on the underdog here oh, in this wow. spot, believe it or not. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think that, you know, unless Swanson is kind of, you know, better days are behind him. He's not taking this fight as serious as he has. I see him winning this fight unless he's kind of in that category, like we said, where he has one foot out the door. But I don't think that's him. I think Swanson has kind of taking fights at his own pace, so to speak, right? Taking some quality fights. He still seems to be okay overall. I don't think he's an aging decline vet that's kind of shot completely. 
Um, so I think it is his fight again to win or lose. And I would be more tempted to kind of lay the chalk as well. But if, if this fight hits the scorecards and we know Elkins is always a tough out, he's a grinder. He's going to be in your face for three rounds unless he's not right. If, if cups wants to get him out of there kind of early, then obviously it's going to be an easy fight for him. But if it's not, as the fight progresses a little bit, I think Elkins will probably pick up the pace and make it a tougher fight. So the scorecards are, I think are going to be interesting here in this one. Awesome, awesome. I love it. Uh, I do actually want to quickly get your thoughts on the under two and a half at plus one twenty-five here. Obviously, you know, it's more so weighted on Cubs once again, the knockout yep. here. What are your thoughts on that number? Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I would probably look more for a, a Swanson finish prop than maybe taking that under. Because if you're like that, like I said, I don't think Elkins is going to finish him. I mean, maybe he catches him in a choke, but I, I doubt it, right? I think more than anything else, if Cub Swanson just kind of sparks him, um, because again, that kind of, I think the speed is going to come into play here big time. So I would kind of more look towards Swanson inside the distance if you're going to take that under two and a half rounds um, and, and try to get a better price in that regard. I like it. I like it. All right, let's keep the train moving here. Next up, we got a great fight between Diego Fejera at uh, plus 175, minus 200, the return on Matias Gamrot. Uh, I'll let you kick this one off, Nick. What do you, what do you think about this uh, upstarting Gamrot, who's uh, really taken names now with uh, that big win over Jeremy Stevens last time around, and then Diego Fejera on a bit of a skid right now. Uh, do you think he can bounce back here? Yeah, I mean, Fahad is so good, man. I, I yeah. love this guy. I love watching him fight and, and, and him kind of rising to the top and, and proving that he belongs in that kind of title contention. There's no doubt about it. But that Gillespie fight, man, that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because he started off so well and then kind of gassed in the second round. I mean, he's had historically a little bit of weight issues as well. I mean, he did make the skills, you know, he made weight this time, which was good to see. Um, but that skill set that he has, he's got that power on the feet that he could finish you on the feet and on the ground. He's so good. I mean, wrapping around your neck. I mean, if he gets around your neck, you're pr pretty much done. Right. So if a is such a difficult out, he's got that wrestling offensively as well, that he could take most of his opponents down and control him in that regard. So just one of, I think the most difficult out in the entire division, but it's kind of on him. If he shows up and he's focused and he's physically ready to go, there's not many people that can beat him, but on the other side of it, Gamrot, he seems to be kind of hitting his groove right now, right? He's got that confidence. I think he's been outstanding and he continues to improve. And then on the ground, he's the type of fighter that should be okay, right? If, if anybody can kind of withstand the offensive skill that Fajeda has on the ground, it should be a guy like Gamera because he's no fish out of water on the ground. He likes to get those takedowns. He's very capable of submitting his opponents as well. And then we've seen on the feet, again, he's building that confidence. And if anything, Fajeda is a little bit hittable, right? And Gamera has power that he's developing and getting more confidence in that regard. So this is a good, again, one of those intriguing spots where you have – I think the savvy veteran and Fajeda, even though he, he is kind of still in title contention, so to speak, going against a young gun, rising young gun, I should say, not necessarily age-wise, but again, rising star in the UFC and a guy like Gamrot. So I think Gamrot, he should be the rightful favorite here. We've seen some action come in early on on the underdog taking Fajeda, but now we're seeing a lot more action and we see some sharp bites come in on Gamrot as well. So I think we're going to continue to see two-way sharp resistant on this fight because I think a lot of people are going to bite on Fajera's skills and maybe people aren't going to think that Gamrot's ready to get a quality win like this. But on the other side of it, I think people are just kind of questioning Fajera, like where he is at this point of his career. And Gamrot, again, on the rise is going to be very intriguing and tempting. If this fight hits the scorecards, it will be really close. Um, and then again, if there's going to be a finish, I would think more so. Again, I said how capable Fajera is finishing fights, but if there's going to be a finish in this fight, I think it's kind of going to be Gamrot finishing Fajera, maybe again by knockout, maybe sparking and maybe late um, in the fight a little bit, or maybe round two, round three, if there's going to be a finish. But if not, if it hits the scorecards, it's going to be a 29-28, maybe a split decision type of fight, I think, here. That's the scenario, I think, how it plays out. 
I feel like you broke down the fight exactly how I would break down the fight. Like I would just regurgitate whatever you're saying right now. Cause I absolutely agree, man. Gamrod, uh, I do think he's really coming into his own, especially since teaming up with ATT, you really see an improvement in his wrestling game, specifically the chain wrestling uh, game of his, where he's not just shooting. And, and if he doesn't get it, he just go backs off and goes back to his striking. He's chaining them together. He's trying to get a, a second takedown attempt going. And more often than not, he's successful in doing so. And that's usually what gets Fajeda down. Watch the Benio Darius fight. Watch the Gregor Gillespie fight. Those are kind of his kryptonite as the chain wrestling and i think that's exactly what we're going to get here from gamrod i do think gamrod is a slightly slicker striker as well uh his one twos down the middle are very nice uh fajera a little bit wilder but that's more so based on his aggressiveness right the best fajera that we've seen in the ufc is when he went up against mirbek tysimov and pulled off an upset i believe he was a plus 200 underdog that night as well uh and, and that's where fortis fajera was born for me where you know when he joined uh, uh teams with uh safe sayu down there in texas and, and became Fortis Fajera, we just saw this new version of him where he just keeps coming forward, takedowns, relentless pressure, and just really putting it on his opponents. However, I do think he's going to start to take a decline. And, you know, losing his last two fights to Darius and Gillespie aren't anything to really, like, overlook. Like, obviously, those are really... Um, uh, credible losses, uh, if you want to call it that. But I do think that we're going to start to see him start to slow down. And Gamera is just on a completely different trajectory here. I do think that we see it kind of intersect almost a passing of the torch in a sense, right? And I hate to say that because I'm a big Fajeda fan myself, but I do think that at a certain point here, we'll see Gamera start to pull away with it, striking, mixing some takedowns. I do think that should be enough for him to get his hand raised. Yes, he did make weight. Had to strip down, had to get butt ass naked and get onto the scale there uh, and, and make the weight. It doesn't look like the weight cut is getting any easier for him. And I think it's really going to get tested here against Gamrod, who's going to pretty much push him in every aspect of MMA. But I'm glad we're on the same side here in terms of uh, Gamrod. And it's always nice to hear that the Sharps are coming in on the Gamrod side as well, especially when it's a little bit of chalk to have uh, Sharps on chalk too. It's, it's, uh, I love to hear that as well. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. Uh, another somewhat passing of the torch fight where we got Ricky Simone coming in at minus 270, plus 230, the return on Hafiala Sunsau. Uh, I'm a big fan of Simone, man. I love his wrestling game. I love his ability to mix his strikes behind uh, wrestling as well now. On the flip side, with the Sun, so it hasn't really been that active, right? We haven't seen him since June of 2020 where he suffered that knockout loss to Cody Garbrandt. A little bit of an anomaly in his career, right? He's very durable. More often than not, you see him take shots and keep chugging forward. But that little sequence that they had was out of a comic book almost, where you see Garbrandt just reach behind him and just sling a, a beautiful right hook and it lands clean on the chin and puts a sun sow out. I don't think Simone's going to do that. I don't think Simone's going to find something up against the cage and knock him out here. The way that I actually chose to approach this fight is take the, the decision prop here on Ricky Simone at plus 115, as I do think he can mix it up pretty well. Obviously, it's a much better number than laying minus 270. I'd be surprised if he finishes the Sun Sao, even if the Sun Sao is really starting to slow down at this ripe age of 39 years old. Uh, but I do feel like Simone is the better fighter here. Again, different trajectory. I do think he lands a couple takedowns here. I do think he's uh, effective enough with his volume on the feet. Uh, and yeah, Asunsa could potentially make this close. Solid striker in his own right. Had some solid takedown defense. But in his last seven, eight, even nine fights, I think the only legitimate wrestler he's gone up against is Matthew Lopez. And Matthew Lopez just did not have the cardio to keep up with uh, the pace that Asunsa was setting that night. I think Simone has that pace, though. I think he has the wrestling. And I think he'll get the job done this weekend by decision. Let me know your thoughts, brother. I agree completely, honestly. I mean, again, the Sunsau kind of floating under the radar a little bit, though, as far as maybe people think he's he's completely shot at this point. But if you look back, man, again, he hasn't been fighting or been as active as we'd like to see him, but he's fight, you know, he's fought a lot of good competition throughout. And he, like you said, his durability, 
I don't really question it that much until like, you, you know, he, you hit that spot, you coming off that knockout, that brutal knockout loss, like you did against Garbrandt. And then maybe we start to see that tide change and his durability kind of lessens as he, his, you know, his career progresses a little bit, but I agree with you. I think this is Simone's fight to win or lose. Thankfully for Sunsau, he doesn't have to worry about that knockout power. I mean, Simone, I, I wouldn't be sh uh, totally shocked, I guess, if he does pull it off, but, but if that's the case, then we know that for sure Sunsau is probably on the later stages of his career. There's no doubt about that, but I think the ability to kind of mix everything together, Simone is not, bad on the feet of course and he is going to have the wrestling and grappling advantage here not again a sunsau isn't a fish out of water again historically throughout his career he's been very good on the ground decent wrestling for sure not an easy guy to control that way but i think at this point in this stage that's how simone wins he's going to probably outpoint him on the feet a little bit mix in a little bit of grappling you know kind of slow this fight down up against the cage get some takedowns try to get some top position maybe back takes along the way and grinds out a, a quality decision win so i like it i think what you're on track with simone probably ends up winning on the scorecard so if you're getting plus money on that and not a bad look let's get it i love i love to get that extra confidence from my guy nick so hopefully we can catch that ticket tomorrow as well all right we got three fights left and we're we're doing pretty well with our time here nick i, I promise <laughs> you we try to keep this under 50 to 60 minutes and here we are so i'm i'm not i don't want to keep you away from your family too much longer nah, here so let, let's keep this moving along. We got Angela Hill coming in at plus 265, minus 305, the return on Amanda Lemos, just like the previous two fights. Possible passing of the torch, right? I'll let you kick this one off. What are your, what are your thoughts here? Are there, Is this hype on Amanda Lemos justified? Is she worth minus 305? What are your thoughts here? Part of me says no, but part of me says yes. I mean, it's hard to deny what she's looked like as of late, right? It seems like she's getting her act together. It, it seems like she's kind of performing at the level we expected and for Hill for her to be a big favorite a sizable favorite over a girl like Angela Hill says a lot right but we have seen bites on the underdog the line is coming down a little bit because I think there's a lot of people that still question mark or question the fact that Lemos should be this high of a favorite based on Hill's experience I mean she's fought the best of the best for sure she seems to always be on pretty competitive like decisions if it hits a scorecard she's in a 29 28 or you know a very close split decision type of fight so this isn't going to be a walk in the park but that being said, I think Lemos right now is, again, on the rise. And like you said, I think the trend of this card is kind of like the young guns or, or the, the newer breed coming in and, and getting going against these quality fighters, these savvy vets, and seeing if they could get take that next step forward in towards title contention. I think that's the spot she's in. A lot of people want her to do well here because they want, you know, again, that new blood. They want to see quality wins over quality competition. I think Lemos can get it. She's Her path to victory on the ground is very clear. Even though Angela Hill's defense – has gotten better. I think if, if Lemos takes her back or she's able to, to get around her neck, the choke possibilities are there either way. But again, again, she doesn't necessarily need to do that. I mean, her ability on the feet is where it's at too as well, right? She hits probably one of the hardest hitters in the weight class already. We've seen that time and time again. And Angela Hill, defensively, she's pretty sound. She's tough. She's durable, but she is going to get tagged in this fight. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Again, we're going to get more bites, and I think we'll continue to get more bites on Angela Hill. So I wouldn't be surprised if this line continues to drop. But when it's all said and done, unless Lemos has that kind of letdown and slows down drastically round two, round three, I think she wins on the scorecards, and we might get to see a finish here from her. And if she does finish Angela Hill, man, her stock is going to rise huge and the sky's the limit for it, really. Same with Barcelos, though, in terms of she's 34 years old, right? We need to get it going right now. And getting a yep. win over Angela Hill, especially getting a finish, will definitely fast track her into that top eight-ish rank. And I think she's more than deserving of that. Yeah, I share the same sentiments with you. I do think that she's obviously the more devastating striker out of the two. Uh, she might be behind on numbers, but the fact that she's dishing out more damage with her strikes will definitely sway the judges more. And that's clearly evident, especially in, uh, uh, I believe it was two fights ago against Mizuki anyway, or three fights ago with Mizuki anyway, where 
Inoue was obviously up on, on the numbers, but anytime that they were kind of at distance, we saw Lemos let go with that, uh, uh, that power, and the judges obviously scored that way more than the output that was coming from the Inoue side. Could be the same thing here. The only thing that scares me away from a potential finish is the movement of Angela Hill, right? She likes to move a lot. She has good footwork. She stays on the outside, uh, and I don't know if Lemos will be able to clip her cleanly enough to be able to either get a club and sub situation or even just a club and drum situation, as I like to call. Uh, but I do lean the Lemos side. I'm not putting any action on it. The only thing that I'm kind of looking at, though, is a, a potential live bet on Angela Hill after round one, uh, given, you know, if there is a, a slowdown for Lemos, right? That's a big question mark. Uh, uh, one thing that a lot of people are overlooking, like uh, she used to fight at 135 pounds, completely different fighter now at 115 pounds, but we haven't really seen her extended other than that Inoue fight. And even in that Inoue fight, she was, uh, she was starting to slow down a little bit. She still obviously landed the more uh, devastating blows, uh, but now she gets a step up in contact competition like we said angela hill could definitely make her work work and make it look uh, a little bit more uh harder of a path to a victory for amanda lemos here i'm staying away from it i'm picking lemos as, a, as my prediction is that your prediction as well nick you're going with lemos? yeah i'm picking it but again yeah. extremely difficult fight to bet because of what you just said right there right but i again I, I hope that we do see this fight hit the scorecards and i hope that we see lemos being able to compete at a high level at the end of round three because that's going to kind of definitely solidify her, her potential in the future again like we said with barcelos i would like to get a five round main event like yeah. with some of these fighters you know stick them in a main event slot um, and see where they can perform there. Again, it's hard, you know, to earn that headlining spot because of the ultra popularity of a lot of these fighters on the UFC roster. But for me, just selfishly, I would like to see her in that spot to see really her get tested and go deep and to see if she's kind of title worthy one day. Because again, it seems like she has all the attributes and potential to do so, but this is going to be a good test. I mean, like the matchmaking, again, people are sleeping on how good matchmaking this is. I mean, these tests that the UFC is giving some of these fighters is phenomenal, really. Yeah, this isn't Montserrat Ruiz or uh, uh, Lavinia Souza. This is, you know, a, a legitimate step up in competition. Yep. So I'm very much looking forward to that. All right, co-main event time. We got Bilal Muhammad coming in at plus 190, minus 220 the return on Wonderboy Stephen Thompson. I find it interesting that this fight was only announced at the beginning of November. Normally, we get about two and a half to three month period for these fighters to, to prepare for it. But the UFC is like, you guys are up. And they're up, and uh, more often than not, these guys will always accept it and go out there and and and, uh, and compete. So I'll actually let you kick this one off, Nick. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that Wonderboy has lost his step after that Burns loss, and uh, do you think that Bilal will actually, you know, uh, benefit from the step up in competition? Oh, man, this is intriguing too because I mean, part of me wants to say maybe Thompson isn't going to be the same fighter anymore. But how how fair is that to say, man? He fought against yeah. Gilbert Burns. I mean, Burns, his wrestling has gotten so much better. It's, yeah. it's not only his grappling and jujitsu game that he was always a threat. Now he he can kind of set it up and get the fight to the floor against high level competition. It's not easy to take a guy like Stephen Thompson down, and he did it, and he had success doing so. But I, I tell you what, I credit Thompson for not getting submitted in that fight. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of guys that can hang defensively and get put on the ground as often and as much time spent on the ground with a guy like Burns and survive it. So for being in that striking background, from coming from that striking background and being one of the most elite strikers ever in the sport of MMA and especially in the UFC, I mean, he's he's so good on the feet, Thompson is, right? To be able to defend and, and adapt and, and kind of, 
complete like fill out his game sort of speak i know he's not going to go in there and submit people or whatnot right and he's not even look for takedowns but the defensive part i mean he's put the work in and he's got himself to the point where he's legit there's no question about it so it's not going to be an easy fight for muhammad even though we saw burns the path to victory get those takedowns and try to kind of grind this fight out a little bit that's i think the best path to victory for muhammad as well he's i think he's capable on the feet we've seen him improving he's got a little bit of zap on those punches so he's you know on the feet i think he'll be competitive but who outstrikes Thompson? It's very rare to see that, right? Yeah. So if Muhammad can't mix his, the takedowns up, can't push him against the cage, kind of if he can't make this an ugly, boring fight, he's probably going to lose. He's going to get picked apart. And the durability factor, again, maybe we see Stephen Thompson hit that point of his career where he starts getting knocked out and his chin starts really letting us down. But I don't think he's quite there yet. So, and again, a guy like Muhammad, he has the ability to knock people out. But I think Thompson has been in there with harder hitters. He's been in there with, uh, you know, more of the danger factor in in these spots before. So I think he should survive. And it's only a three-round fight as well, right? So that's going to be interesting. I think if I was Muhammad, because it is only a three-round fight, I would definitely try to pursue, again, up against the cage and get those takedowns and try to steal rounds. Because if he can be competitive against Thompson on the feet and still get outpointed but mix in, again, some of the grinding style, then he might have a path to victory. But for me – I'm not going to go against Thompson in this spot. I think Muhammad is on the rise for sure. And this is, again, one of those kind of spots where he could take that, you know, Thompson love and get himself in a title mix for sure, right? Muhammad, I think everybody's expecting him to do so, and he's capable. But until I see it happen, I'm not going to be quite a believer yet, especially on that level. I think Thompson is a better striker, and I think it's going to show here in this spot. Yeah, I think the main thing that a lot of people need to focus on from what you just broke down is is the wrestling of Burns. And I think that's the difference maker here is that Burns is a better wrestler than Bilal. Sure, Bilal might be better in terms of mixing everything together, but I just don't think he has that wrestling pedigree to be able to land those takedowns and, and do it effectively. And even if he does get the takedowns, I don't think that we'll see Thompson get stuck on the ground as much as he did against Burns as he doesn't feel like there's as, as much of a threat with Bilal and his jiu-jitsu and what he's going to bring to the table there. Uh, I think we see, you know, Wonderboy put on a classic Wonderboy performance. I was looking for a way to bet this fight. Uh, I, I'm passing on the money line here, minus 220. Again, possibilities of his age. I think he's, what, 38, 39 years old. Yep. Like, he's definitely getting up there in age as well. At a certain point, you know, what he relies on to be successful in fights are not going to be there anymore, and that's timing and speed. And those are, like, kind of, kind of the first things to go for a lot of fighters, right? And if it goes in this fight, I don't want to be holding that minus 220 ticket. Then I'm like, how can I approach it from a props perspective? Decision, obviously, seems to be the way to go. I think that's roughly around even money. However, there is an opening for him to potentially get a finish as well, man. If, if he can, like, kind of trap Bilal into a certain... Uh, strike or something like that. I could absolutely see him flatline uh, Bilal Muhammad here. There's a lot of underrated power in Stephen Wonderboy Thompson striking. Just watch his fight with Vicente Luque. He didn't finish Luque in that fight, but we all know how durable Luque is, and he dropped him numerous times in that fight. I think he could replicate that here against a guy like Bilal Muhammad, who, you know, given his style, which is sometimes like controlled chaos, where he just keeps throwing and just tries to stay busy and stay in your face, that might bite him in the ass here against a much more precise striker like Wonderboy Thompson. So yeah, I'm on the one Wonderboy's side, no bet for me, though. I just want to see him go out there and compete. I love watching him fight. Even if it's a 25 kick, 25 minute kickboxing fight like he had against Darren Till that people hate, I don't mind it. I, I love that type of chess match, type of striking fight. And I'm hoping that we'll see uh, some more glory from Wonderboy this weekend. So uh, yeah, me and Nick 
pick in Wonderboy this weekend, but think that the chalk is a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Like you said, I, I like it. I think Thompson can. It's he's a sleeper with a knockout prop. I think for sure, man. And we've seen Muhammad get hit in the past. He's been rocked in fights before too. So his durability, you know, he, he's tough. You could definitely depend on him, but against an elite level striker with, like you said, that timing, that accuracy, he could get clipped here and knocked out. There's no doubt. I like it. I like it. All right. We got the main event up next, but this is the time that I like to remind you guys, the 110 live viewers that we currently have, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then show my guy Nick some love as well. I have his social medias uh, linked in the description below, not to mention his website as well, MMAOddsBreaker.com. You guys can check that as well. And then obviously you guys know where you can find all of his work, obviously on uh, UFC on the line, on UFC Fight Pass. And then I believe within the last couple months, he started off that show with James and James. James, or well, the double James, actually, James times two uh, <laughs> over there. I believe that's on uh, MMA Oddsbreaker as well. Yeah. So make sure you guys go show him some love. Uh, you guys always hound me about Kraus, and I all, all I have Nick to always thank him for that in terms of <laughs> setting up that relationship. Kraus is there. awesome. Hey, no problem, man. But I agree. Kraus is awesome, dude. I mean, a lot of people, he's been loved by the fans out there, by the community, and, and rightfully so, man. The guy's yeah. awesome. No, he's a very sharp dude, and for, from there, my my the the amount of relationships I've been able to create has been awesome, and it's all thanks to you for uh, hooking up uh, across from me as well. So I uh, appreciate that. All right, main event time. This is what the people are here for. We got minus one fifty on Chris Dawkins, plus one thirty on Derek Lewis. Uh, the over under obviously one and a half with the over at minus one thirty, plus one hundred the return on the under one and a half. Um, I'm not betting against Derek Lewis, Nick. You, you can't make me do it. The only guy that I will trust to bet against Derek Lewis with was his last fight, Cyril Gunn. I ate all the chalk on that. I felt very confident into that. Cyril Gunn is going to be the greatest heavyweight of all time. You can pin that. I am betting him pretty heavily when he fights Francis Ngannou next year. But with that said, um, Chris Dawkins, faster hands, a uh, little better footwork. Uh, obviously, we see him kind of dropping his weight as well, right? He came into the UFC roughly around 256 pounds. Uh, this morning, he weighed in at 234. Uh, two fights ago, he weighed in at 227. So he's very much working on his physicality or his physical look in terms of uh, being the lighter guy so he can be quicker, uh, be quicker with the hand speed as well. And it's paid off for him. He's found the button on most of his opponents putting them out pretty much every single time but now he got uh, a very heavy hitter uh staring across him uh staring across the cage from him here with Derek Lewis you know it, it takes one shot with Derek Lewis you know what I mean you could win 99% of the fight and still get clipped and put out just as Alexander Volkov right like it's those things that scare me away from from this fight what I'm looking at if I were to bet this fight at all is the over one and a half because I could see a kind of measured approach from Chris Dawkins, you know, maybe working the body, staying away from the big power as long as he can, and then just banking on Derek Lewis slowing down, uh, you know, really letting his guard down and then trying to go to the head from there and try to get him out of there. Um, but even that, man, I, I, it's just so scary whenever you have a fight with Derek Lewis where you can just end the fight in, in an instant. Uh, one of my boys uh, this morning, uh, John Stargain, uh, pointed out plus 175 for the Derek Lewis KO prop. That's probably the best way to play him. You know what I mean? Just get a little bit greedier. I'd be surprised if this goes the full 25 minutes. And even the deeper that this fight goes, yeah, Derek Lewis looks like he's slowing down, but he's always able to muster up that little bit of a, a blitz to just crash forward and really put it on his opponents. And more often than not, he's successful in doing so. So even taking, you know, a round three or round four shot on Derek Lewis isn't too bad either if you can get that plus 1,500, plus 2,000 mark as well. Um, my official prediction actually came down to Dawkins round two KO, but I don't feel good about it at all, Nick. I don't feel – I'm staying away, man. The last fight of the UFC calendar year, I'm chilling, sitting back and sipping my beer and watching the slugfest go down. The smart, pick, 
yeah, the pick is Dacus for me, but how do you see this one going down? Smart man. I mean, man, again, this is the ultimate gatekeeper role right now for Lewis, right? Because I, I think his title shot days are behind him unless he goes out there and just destroys all the prospects that they're going to throw in front of him, right? I mean, if he just eliminates all of them, like starting with Dacus, of course, then he might find himself back there. But outside of that, I think he's going to be used in like that Andre Arlovsky type of role, right? They're yeah. just going to put him in there. Hey, look, if you can get beyond this guy's power, you know, and his durability overall – uh, good luck to you. You do. You deserve to get in that upper tier of the heavyweights for sure, and and get in the title mix. So, I don't know. I'm not quite sold on Dacus yet. He's looked great. So, but maybe. And I've probably throughout his UFC career thus far underrated him and disrespected him at times. Meaning that I just think he's more flawed than everybody anticipates, and he hasn't really been tested in the deep waters, sort of speak. But what you said, he's putting the work in. You could tell. I mean, he's physically changed his body. He's going to have the speed advantage. I think he is a better mixed martial artist overall because he does have a good ground game to go along with that good striking that we've seen time and time again. Um, he he has that killer instinct with him too. I I believe he's actually quit the police department now to focus yeah. on his career full time, which is not a bad thing, right? So he's taking this serious, and this is a huge opportunity for him. So again, I like the matchmaking here because if he could get this win over a guy like Lewis, he's legit. He legitimizes everything because because of the you know the firepower and the ability to get beyond a guy like Lewis is it's not easy a lot of people have failed time and time again so for me I think it's a good spot I think he should be the rightful favorite so it makes it tough to bet here right he should be a slight favorite based on his recent performances and again he's going to have that speed factor he does have that finishing ability even though we've seen Lewis be pretty durable in the past I think that he's going to have that advantage but like you said all it takes is one shot and not necessarily just the Lewis side that slows down as we go. And he's still dangerous. And like you said, round two, round three, round four, whatever the case may be. We haven't seen Dacus go beyond what round two. I don't think in his yeah. career. I don't think he's ever been on the second correct. round, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, there's a lot of question marks. And I think if you look at the tape too, Dacus does seem to slow down a little bit. So if we get in round three, round four, round five, Lewis is going to have a better shot to get him out of there if it, it kind of goes that way. So I don't think this fight hits the scorecards. I mean, there's like, if fight doesn't go the distance, I think is like four or 500s out there, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. <laughs> if you're looking to throw something in a parlay with even maybe a fun football bet this weekend is kind of what I said. I wouldn't blame you for kind of throwing because that fight's not going. I think Dacus is either going to finish Lewis either by knockout or maybe catching his back and submitting him. It's hard to keep Lewis down. Even if Dacus does have success, and get him to the ground, unless he takes his back right away and starts working on submission. I think Lewis is going to find his way back up to the feet. So that's going to be interesting. But I think, so it's going to be a finish either way. Lewis is either going to knock him out, maybe after round one, like you said, maybe round two, round three possibly, or Dacus is going to finish Lewis either on the ground or by knockout as well. So should be an exciting fight, but this is the ultimate test for Dacus to see where he's at. I love the matchmaking here. I mean, if he, again, if he wins this fight, I'm a believer and I will give him all the respect in the world. Nick and his team over there at Circus Sports are currently holding the fight. Doesn't go to decision at minus 500. So there you guys go. You guys can toss that into any parlay that you want because that's probably a, a pretty good uh, cherry on the top for most parlays here. Um, all right. On the back end here, what I like to do with the guests is obviously give our most confident play of the card or lock of the night play. Personally, I don't have a you know traditional lock of the night play, uh, but the, the the spot that I feel quite confident about, the under one and a half in the Justin Toff and Harry on Sucker fight. A little bit of chalk, minus 180, minus 190. I'd be surprised if this fight hits. Uh, it goes to the to the second round at all. Uh, I also have a small play on Hunsucker round one at plus seven hundred. But in terms of the spot that I feel most confident about, not enough to go. You know, my my full five units on. Uh, but I am I got about two units here on the under one and a half. Because uh, if it goes over that, uh, you know, even gets into that second round, things could get sloppy and things could start to slow down, and we could see this go the full fifteen minutes. Uh, so yeah, that's my favorite play on the card. Nick, uh, what are you liking here the most? We're going to start off with the first night, the first fight of the night. 
I'm going to take sales at the plus money, man. I mean, to me, I, I don't think he should be plus money. I think yeah. he, you should see chalk, you know, behind his name or, you know, um, there's no question. He's the better striker. I think he can hang, even though Levette has that sneaky, good ground game that we were talking about. I think if he gets sales down again, I don't think he's stuck nasty on the ground though. And the ability to cut, that was a crazy submission he got too as well. Yeah. So I think sales is kind of not a fish underwater out of water on the ground either. So I think even if he gets into some problematic spots at times, if we get to see this fight going round two, round three sales is going to light him up on the feet. And I think he's going to win this fight. So he should be favored. He shouldn't be an underdog here. So I'm looking at the price tag more than anything else. And again, he's flying under the radar. I think a lot of people are kind of disrespecting him because of his last loss. And a lot of people are definitely in love in Levette's ground game. So I understand it. But for me, it's sales at the plus money for sure. There you guys go. Both of our plays uh, for tomorrow night, UFC Vegas 45. Nick, I'll give you the platform one last time in case you want to say anything to the viewers on the way out here. And then I'll wrap this up on the back end. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. Thank you for having me on the show. It's always fun talking to MMA, especially with people as knowledgeable as yourself. So love doing that. Make sure you guys check out UFC Fight Pass for UFC on the line. We typically do all the pay-per-views, as you guys know. We're mixing in some fight nights event from time to, events from time to time as well. Hopefully, we'll see an uptick in that in 2022. But make sure you, you uh, check out, like you said, UFC on the line on UFC Fight Pass. I have a lot of fun doing that show, and we're looking forward to some big things in 2022. Look at this mensch not even plugging his own website. Make sure you guys check out MMA Odds Breaker as well because they obviously have the best uh, betting content out there for you guys as well. Um, yeah, Nick, honestly, I appreciate you taking out the time on this uh, Friday afternoon to to do this with me. Uh, last show of the car, uh, last show of the year. Very much looking forward to that as well. And I'm sure I'll talk to you a bunch in 2022 as well. Shout out to all the viewers that we have currently at 120 live. Make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, then obviously go help uh, my guy Nick out with his social medias as well. We have all of his uh, information in the description below uh yeah good luck on your bets tomorrow i won't be watching the fights live i'll be out there in niagara falls having a good time but i'll be sure to catch up on the fights afterwards but make sure you guys enjoy the fights don't bet more than you can afford to lose that is rule number one but after that, make sure you guys have fun as well. All right. Uh, on behalf of myself and nick make sure you guys uh like and subscribe again and we will see you guys next year for uh, UFC Vegas 46, which is the first event on January 15th. Don't fall into the depression. We know it's going to be a long time without MMA. There's going to be a ton of other stuff to do. Go be with your family. All right. See you guys and good luck on your bets tomorrow.